Church family, it's great to be with you. If you are here with us for the very first time, maybe a friend's been saying, you've got to get down to church. Maybe you've watched someone you know's life been changed. Or maybe your mom's been sort of at you for ages. Why don't you get to church? Why don't you come to church? And you've, you've come along, although, well, actually, we've come to you in the lounge room, in, in your bed, in, out, out on the patio, wherever you are watching church online, welcome, and I'm so glad that you're with us. I loved one of those thoughts from uh, Doug. I just had to laugh when he shared it in that testimony that I went to church because I was trying to rescue my friends because I thought they were getting caught up in a cult. And I don't know how many people have this sort of idea, and maybe it's from your upbringing, maybe it's from your experience of what religion's all about, but so many people think that religion is negative, uh, they think that religion's boring, they think that church is, is all about rules and regulations and there's no life in it. In fact, uh, I had a, the privilege a little while ago of visiting the Sistine Chapel, where Michelangelo had painted the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. It was a few years ago, we were in Rome, and when we were there... Uh, I was reminded of what, what had actually happened. Uh, over, over the years, what, what had happened as um, candles had been lit and fragrances and altar things had gone up in that chapel, uh, those, that dust had settled on the ceiling. And scholars were looking at the ceiling and looking how drab it was and looking how gray it was. And, and they made these observations. Obviously, when Michelangelo painted this ceiling, he was being aware of, of the seriousness of God and the subdued nature of, of church and religion. And it was all dark and, and it was lacking color. And then they got a cleaner along, this is hundreds of years later, who began painstakingly to clean off the, the candle residue that had gone up to the ceiling and all of the, the smoke and all of the discoloration. And to their amazement, they realized that this, this tribute to God that had been so masterfully painted on the ceiling was actually full of vibrant colors, life-giving, life awe-inspiring colors. And I've seen it. It's, it's, it's a modern miracle, the, the, the articulate way that he's painted that. And here's, here's what happens. Religion has this way of letting smoke go up and discoloring what God is actually really like. We, we have this way of trying to bring God down to our own image. And so if your experience of church or your experience of God has been miscolored by religion, if it's become gray, if it's become dull, if you think church is dull, then my hope today is this would be a step towards a transformation of the way that you see church and a transformation of the way that you see God on this Easter Sunday in 2020. Our, our desire is and our experience is when people come to church or when we, we, we get into a relationship with God, it's life-giving. It's fun. There's laughter. There's joy. There's love. There's a feeling that, that for us as we go away from a church service, whether it's together in church or whether it's online like we're watching right now, we go away uplifted. We go away feeling better. We go away filled with joy, not guilty or not like we don't measure up. And I believe that's God's desire for you and I, that church would be a representation of His nature, loving, kind, joyful. This morning I want to preach around Resurrection Sunday. It's one of my favorite Sundays of the year. And I want to use a, a statement that Jesus recorded uh, in John chapter 11, verse 25. It's before he raised Lazarus from the dead. And he made this very simple, yet profound and powerful statement. He said this, I am the resurrection and the life. 
He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, physically he's talking about, he shall live. Jesus is making these statements about himself. I'm that resurrection. See, Easter Friday has been and gone, and it's, it's all about some things uh, that, what, that were achieved on Easter Friday. Jesus was crucified. Jesus paid the price for the sin of us all. Uh, he said at the end of six hours of agony of hanging on the cross from nine in the morning till three in the afternoon, three of those hours were with an eclipse. They were dark as the earth was in mourning for the Son of God. And he said at the end of that six hours, he said, it is finished. You see, Easter Friday or Good Friday as we know it was all about Jesus paying for the price of our sins. It was all about a moment where we could say, uh, the ledger for your sin and my sin has been squared. I'm not guilty anymore if I believe in Jesus. I don't have to pay for my sin. He's paid for it. I don't know if you've ever had this experience of being out at a restaurant and someone paying for your meal. I remember on our anniversary a few years ago, Danielle and I were in Sydney and we were sitting down and we had this beautiful anniversary meal and we got up and we went to pay for the meal only to our joy and surprise to find that someone we knew had been at another table and had gone and paid for our meal. So as I got up to go away and pay for it, they said, oh, sir, don't worry about it. It's been paid for. The ledger's been squared, and that was, that was a great joy for me. And hey, if that was you, thank you so much. If you want to know where we're going for our anniversary this year, I can't tell you because we're not actually going out. It'll be, it'll be our anniversary at home. But in this particular instance, the feeling of, oh, wow, that's paid for, was awesome. But Easter Friday is about the ultimate feeling, that God himself, through his son Jesus, has paid for our sin. We don't have to pay for our sin. It's finished. It's done for. So if that was a good Friday, what's, what's Easter Sunday all about? What's the resurrection all about? Well, the resurrection is all about this. It's all about new life. It's all about the fact that we don't now, now that our sins are forgiven, if we put our faith in Christ, we don't have to wait until we get to heaven one day. We don't have to sort of sit here and sort of, you know, tr just fold our hands and hope to be as good as we can and, and, and not sin much anymore and eventually get to heaven. No, Easter Sunday is about the fact that Jesus defeated the price of sin. He, he, he paid for it and not just that, but he's got new life for us. Death is defeated and there is a resurrection life that God wants to get into you and I. That's why Jesus used the expression resurrection life. He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. It wasn't like they're separate. They're two different things. He was talking about a kind of life that you and I could experience on the inside, not just getting to heaven, but a life that we could live on earth. The word, the Greek word life is translated zoe, zoe. It appears 138 times in the New Testament. This, this word life is, is different to the, the phrase or, or to the concept of human life. All of us obviously are alive and we have human life. I remember when my son Jackson was born. It was about 22 years ago. And I, I remember as he was born, literally, he, he came out, was presented to Danielle and I, and I looked at him and my first thought was, oh my gosh, he looks like me. It was obvious he was my son. As he came into human life, the, the, the life that he's living now, it, it was so obvious. In fact, 20, uh, 21 years later, I had the joy of going to the coffee 
shop where he worked. And as I walked into that place, uh, the, the lady said, oh, you must be Jackson's brother. And I'm like, yes, that's a great because I'm young looking and I look like him. And it was a great feeling for this middle-aged man to be compared or called a brother of a 20-something-year-old. That's human life. But Jesus, when he said, I'm the resurrection and the life, he wasn't talking about human life. He was talking about a spiritual life. He was talking about a life that only comes direct from God, a life that God wants each of us to live. This is, this is a life that's not just uh, eternal life that we'll one day experience in heaven, although often it's referred to as eternal. This is life that we're to live here on earth. And so to understand how this works, I want us to understand this. I want us to go a little deeper. Stay with me today. So I want to go a little de bit deeper in terms of the way we're created and what this Zoe or uh, life, spiritual life, really means like for you and I. See, you and I are a spiritual person who has a soul who lives in a body. And so we've got physical life and we know that we're born and there's going to come a day when we're going to die. We'll have a physical death and our human life will cease to exist. But our eternal life, we're eternal creatures. Your soul will live on and your spirit will live on. And so on a soul level or emotionally, we receive life or joy into our soul through a whole lot of different experiences. Now, one of the toughest things about this season of life that we find out, this un unprecedented season of life we find ourselves in, of the COVID-19 and its effects and, and, and isolation and quarantine and not being able to go out and not being able to socialize. And for so many, there's an effect on, on your life that's, that's so significant, whether it be financial, whether it be your health, whether it be relationships, whether it just be the fear of the unknown or this concept of, oh my gosh, is it going to be like this for five or six months? What's, what's it going to be like? And, and this, one of the difficulties in this season is the thing Things that we would say are normally life-giving are being reduced. Life-giving things. And when we say they're life-giving, some of them are physical, like exercise, but mostly they're life-giving for our soul. So, so, so relationships are life-giving. If I'm, if I'm meeting with people and we're hugging and we're talking and we're laughing and we're, we're enjoying a meal or we're, we're, we're gathering together, that's life-giving for my soul, my me as a person, I need that kind of life. Uh, for, for other things that we're, we're unable to do is so many people find going to the gym life-giving. It's physically great because it's good for us physically, but it's also good for our soul. I go to a boot camp. Well, normally go to a boot camp on a Tuesday and a Friday morning at the beach. And part of the fun of that, apart from the exercise, and maybe it's just me, but it's the group of guys and girls that I hang out with and we compete and we have fun and there's some sledging and there's some jokes and there's some catching up. And actually, I like it because all of that distracts me from the physical pain I'm going through while I'm like, uh, uh, trying to, you know, trying to get fit. And so there's what's life-giving is not just the physical side, it's the emotional side. It's the mental side. It's the, the conversations. And that's life-giving. And, and in this season, not having that, it's, it's painful. Uh, maybe for you, you, you go regularly. I know people who go every day to the same class, aerobics class, or a walk with a group of friends, or meet at a cafe, and suddenly you don't have that life-giving experience. Maybe it's playing sport or watching sport. Oh my gosh, can you believe there's no football on? I mean, on Friday night, I'm like, 
I can't tip my team. I don't know what's happening. It's just, it's crazy. And that, that whole experience of whether it's playing sport for many of you or watching sport, for, for so many of us, that's a life-giving experience for my soul, for who I am as a person. It's gathering. Maybe it's gathering in church. Maybe it's, maybe it's bingo that you play or, or, or whatever it might be, some kind of group that you get together and we gather. It's parties. It's barbecues. It's dinner parties. These things that we do. And yeah, we can go on Zoom and that's really important, but that being in the same room together is so awesome and we we don't have it. And so there's this sense again of, of loss. There's loss and grief of what's going on. Maybe it's going to the movies. You're like, I, you know, I can watch it on Netflix on a little screen, but it's just not quite like being in the movie cinema with all these people enjoying popcorn and laughing together. It's just different. Maybe it's, maybe it's that shopping experience or, or that restaurant experience, whatever it is. But all of these things, they're, they're life-giving things for our soul. And when you take those away, it's like the tide of our soul goes out. It's like, oh, that makes me feel a little empty. It makes me feel like I've got a little less in me. And that's just normal. That's understandable. And can I give you some encouragement in the middle of this season to, to just be kind to yourself? Just, just th those things that would normally bring joy. You know, I find myself, and, and we've had this conversation, Danielle and I, it's just like, oh, I'm flat. I, I'm, I, I don't know, I, what am I looking forward to? What's going on? And that's all very normal and natural for us to go through that experience. So it's time for us to be kind to ourselves. It's time for us to maybe restart some things that we once did. Might be time to bring out the board game. Although Monopoly was banned in my house when I was a kid, we've re because of the fights that went on, we've rediscovered Monopoly Deal. Uh, and although I can't say I'm doing great at that, it's kind of fun sometimes to be playing board games again. Uh, there are jigsaw puzzles are coming out. The family meal table is, is important again if you live with your family. There's, there's different things that we need to do to try and keep life-giving things happening for our soul. This is why, as a church, we run groups, and we've been running them online on, on Zoom and other formats. And, you know, just, just for a moment, if only we'd, book shares in, in, we'd bought shares in Zoom about five weeks ago, that would have been a really good move. But anyway, if you did, good for you. God bless you. But we're, we're doing these things called online groups, and you might be watching right now and feeling very isolated. Can I encourage you? We'd love to help you find a group where you can meet with some people, make some friends, connect together, discuss challenges, pray for one another. And you, you can find one of those online groups by going through our website. We, we'd love you to do that. I love that. I love that we've got some 80-year-olds in our church who have downloaded Zoom. And just because they wanted to be part of a prayer meeting. I've, I know someone was telling me the other day about an 88-year-old lady in their church who downloaded Instagram for the first time so they could be part of an online prayer meeting. So come on, if, if an 88 lady can download Instagram, you and I can get with new technology. We can get out of our comfort zone to do some new things, to try and find that life-giving thing for our soul. These are important. We're discovering reruns at Netflix. There's all sorts of things that we're trying to, we're trying to keep ourselves buoyant and getting filled emotionally. But that brings me to what Jesus said. He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He wasn't talking about human life. He wasn't talking about life for your soul. He was talking about spiritual life. Spiritual life is the most powerful kind of life there is. It's the life that comes directly 
from a connection with God himself. Jesus said, I am the life. He, he is he's the one. And so when we connect with Christ, it's like a, a, an appliance that's been unplugged, plugging in again to the source and turning on, and suddenly power flows into that appliance, and it can be all that it was created to be. You see, and you, you and I are created to be plugged into God. So that the life of God, the Zoe life of God can flow into us. Not just when we get to heaven, but here on earth. So as a kid, I grew up on a farm. And when you grow up on a farm, you learn lots of fascinating things. One of the things that we had on our farm was cattle and we had drinking troughs. And I remember these, these drinking troughs, they'd be about as high as uh, your knees or maybe, maybe they were a bit taller. Now, thinking back as, a, as an adult, when I was a kid, everything else seemed really big. But when it would be super hot, we'd jump in these drinking troughs and we'd cool off. And, and that what would happen with these drinking troughs, is they, they would be connected underground either to a spring or to a bore. And so there would be an underground feed of the, of the troughs. And there was, essentially, there'd be two ways that you could fill these things up. You could come along with, with water in a tank and, and buckets, and you could pour the buckets out of the tank in a very manual way of filling, filling up the trough. Or there would, be a, there would be this little spring that would bubble up in the inside, and once it got filled, there was a float that would cut off the flow, and it would be filled from, from underground or underneath. And when Jesus talked to a woman at the well who he knew had a thirst for life and she had a, a, a thirst, something was missing in her heart, he, he made this statement to her. That's in John chapter 4, verse 13. He said, Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give them will never thirst but the water that I shall give him will be like a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. There's that word again, Zoe life, everlasting life. Jesus said, you'll, you'll have physical things that you'll have for a while, but then the thirst will come back again and, and you'll have to go and get more water. You'll have soul things that fill you for a while, but, but you'll run out and get empty emotionally and mentally. And so you'll have to go and do some more things to fill you again. But he said, I've got a source of life that I want to spring up from inside of you. It's not dependent on uh, another experience. It's not dependent on another person. It's not dependent on people around you, but it's dependent on a connection with God. It's a spiritual life. That's why he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. And the desire that he had for each one of us is that we would have this supernatural spring on the inside that would bring so much life. And if you've ever walked into a church service or been somewhere where there's such a strong sense of God's presence, and maybe you felt it during the worship, even just at home watching online, if you've ever experienced that, you'll know there's this, there's this otherworldly sense of God's presence that will flow. And one touch from God can fill your soul like that. One touch from God can be better than a week's worth of exercise. One touch from God can be better than a hundred of the best movies on the planet. One touch from God will strip back better than any party that you could ever go to, any restaurant you could ever eat at. A touch from God touches the very core need of the human soul. And that's why Jesus rose from the dead. He said, because I want to give you life. That the life he talked about was eternal life, not just, not just life, uh, the human life, not just soul life, but eternal spiritual life. 
That's my great prayer for you today. That's our prayer as a church, that today, while our souls are ebbing because we're not having such life-giving experiences, maybe it's in this season, while the tide's out, that, we can, that the, the focus is sharpened, that there's a spiritual aspect to my life that maybe I've been ignoring. There's a spiritual component to your makeup that maybe because you've been full from all these other things you haven't been aware of. But in this season, perhaps God is using this. And C.S. Lewis said this, sometimes pain is God's megaphone to get our attention. Maybe God's been trying to get your attention for a while because he loves you so much. Maybe he's, he's been wanting to come into your world so that you can be filled with his life, his love and his peace. And maybe this is a moment of reflection where we're sitting there. Maybe you've been running away from God. Maybe you once lived like some of the people in the Testament. You grew up in a Christian home, but you've drifted away from God. And you're finding yourself here today going, oh, the tide's out. I feel real flat. And God's saying, you know what? There's a source of life for you that's greater than any other source, a source that can flow to you right now.